What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. When we're going to remember him, when we're when he's doing his Hall of Fame speech, is it like a Ooh. given he's going to be in the Hall of Fame? Maybe I shouldn't say that. That's... Wow, that's like really depressing. <laughs> I just realized that's not a given. Yikes. Okay. That's tough. Ooh. The guy. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Welcome to Spinsters, the basketball podcast where we're not mad, we're just disappointed. I'm Haley O'Shaughnessy. I'm a recovering basketball writer. I'm Jordan Liggins. I'm an editor at Mojo. How are you, Jordan? I'm so great. Um, you know, All-Star, it had its fun moments, which made me happy. But then that quickly went away and it got really bad. Um, okay, what were your fun moments? Because I was actually writing this down because I was like, you know, podcast now, you should be observing this thing. And I wrote, I looked before the podcast began and I had down amazing picture quality, love, <laughs> and I had like a little heart. I said that too. So what, what did you think was fun? I, I wrote that down too. I said they looked like they were in a video game. Like the quality was so, I, I know nothing about, you know. It's kind of different from that. I remember during the Super Bowl too, they had like portrait mode almost and it was blurry yes. and it, this was even different than that this looked amazing but kind of intimidating I was thinking about that I almost thought like especially during the skills challenge I was like this isn't as important as this camera quality is making it seem <laughs> <laughs> that's so true no I think I think the three-point competition was really fun um watching Steph Curry's shooting form over and over on a loop is so satisfying. Like he is the best shooter on this planet. So that was a treat for us. Like he didn't have to do that. And I felt honored to be in that moment. One of my favorite writers, Zito Madu, one time wrote that watching Steph is like watching a sunset. You're mm. amazed every single time it happens, but we've seen it before, but you feel like you haven't seen it before. So yeah, that's, I mean, even in an all-star game, no defenders in front of him. It was amazing. Anything else? Mike Connolly, he almost got that win in in the three point contest. I didn't know that he was subbing in for Devin Booker for that, too. Like he was kind of a backup backup and he had to fill into the three point contest, fill into the all star game. But he tried his best and he was almost there. You know, it was kind of soul crushing when Steph <laughs> beat him on the buzzer. But I was rooting for him and was happy that he was even there to participate. So that was a, that yeah. was a joy. And speaking of absences, we should say there was a huge crisis before when Joel Embiid and Ben mm -hmm. Simmons, like hours before earlier that day, all of a sudden the tweets started pouring in from Shams and Woj. And they were like, yeah, due to contact tracing, they might have to be out. And what happened was before they went to Atlanta and <laughs> Shams and Woj could not emphasize enough that it was before they went to Atlanta. I'm like, guys, I know that like you talk to the league every day. Seriously. But it's so it's such a funny thing to be obsessed with because they're like, no, guys, the All-Star is safe. This happened before it went to Atlanta. It's not the All-Star game that's unsafe. It's the regular season. <laughs> it's everything else. It's unsafe. everything it was else. So weird. It was so weird. But anyway, they tweeted that because of contact with that barber 
and contact tracing. He had apparently tested positive later on. They could not participate. What did you expect? You're gathering the best players in the world to interact very closely. The whole thing was really ridiculous to me. I don't like the media tweets around it. I mean, I'm picking out two people. Most people are appropriately alarmed. But what do you expect when you gather all of those people? So Embiid and Simmons did not participate. Mm -hmm. I haven't heard anything about their testing. I'm sure that they're going to test them a a couple of times before drawing a conclusion. Um, Hopefully they're fine. That would be such a devastating thing. Yeah. Um, Even if they're asymptomatic because they... Or even if they just have to miss time because they're concerned that they might have have caught COVID because they've been playing so well. Mm-hmm. The Sixers have been fantastic. So it's just, you know, that's the other thing is like we watch the All-Star game. I'm so happy to see Steph Curry. And then there's always a thing because, of course, there's always a thing. We are not living our lives like normal lives right now. Okay, yeah. real quick. I'll run through the winners. Camera quality. DeMontis Sabonis won the skills challenge. Shout out to the Pacers who are very happy. Yes, I was happy for him. Steph Curry won the three-point contest. Anthony Simons won the dunk contest. Team LeBron won the All-Star game. What do you think about the dunk contest? We're going to pretend um, that the dunk contest didn't happen and it didn't exist. I think that would just be better for for everyone involved. (laughs) It was three people. I had no idea who the guy from the Pacers was. I'm so sorry. That was the first time I'd ever seen him in my life. And, um, you know, Obi Toppin, I just talked about how the Knicks brought me joy. I love that he brought his dad out there and Randall. It was just a miss. I don't know. The bar was set so low and it still didn't even reach that for me. Yeah, I thought they were all really good dunkers. Obviously, I'm amazed anytime. I was reading Tom Ziller's uh, newsletter this morning, which I absolutely love. And he said that the dunk contest is a lot like pizza. It doesn't really matter the quality. It's always generally pretty good. That's good. And, you know, I yeah, I love watching people dunk. It always amazes me. But I was watching with my roommate who's not very into basketball. And he was like, why are there no household names? And I was explaining it to him and he was like, oh, it's like the writer strike. If <laughs> 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 you think about lost or <laughs> Anthony Simons, like, I hope that he gets to do it again in a very competitive field, or at least one that people will respect as competitive because again, they were doing amazing dunks. I don't want to, you know, yeah. shame them for, the, for putting you- themselves out there. A part of the dunk contest is them panning to the crowd and them having that reaction and you hear all the the cheers and I feel like without that we were just kind of like, oh cool. Okay, what's the score? All right. Well, yeah, absolutely. Okay. You're right. That that is the best part. I mean, it's right. not the best part, but it's a close second. It's like one B. You see the dunk and then immediately after you get the gratification of seeing these people who you respect so much, the best basketball players in the world. Mm-hmm. They're as amazed as you are. Those are like some of the best reaction pictures ever. Remember the first Zach Levine one? Yes. Or just like yeah, the classic with Shaq and his the video camera like those are the moments that you kind of look forward to for the dunk contest and I feel like without the crowd there it was kind of missed and they I felt like they knew that that's why they threw it at halftime so it was like a half effort that we kind of we could have skipped this year I have to say squish all-star weekend into a day every time like every time wonderful Yes. One and done. I even like immediately after I got to watch the Oprah interview. Same. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, we should call we might, Taylor later about yeah, that. Yeah, we might have to talk about that later. <laughs> offline, offline. But um, what I was going to say was uh, as a, a joy or a silver lining, if you will, putting a spotlight on HBCUs was pretty awesome. You know, I love my people. So to see us everywhere and getting the recognition that people from HBCUs deserve and not only, you know, spotlighting former players that have went to HBCUs, but, you know, the Clark Atlanta Philharmonics. And I would have loved just that, honestly, like a concert um, that was filmed, that was just putting a spotlight on HBCUs, kind of like a phone-a-thon, like call in to give more money. The NBA was going to give the money anyway. So make it more fun and have the marching bands, have common speak every single word ever. And I would have enjoyed that more. My brother is actually at a, a dental student at Howard. Would have loved if he had a personal check made out to him, but I'll, I'll take this. So that was, that was nice. Yeah, I love seeing the comments from everyone who said that they felt really represented and that they mm-hmm. finally had a moment for them. That was great, but like you said, it's kind of hard to watch that and not feel a little bit resentful at the NBA because you're doing this to save face while you could just be doing this all along. I mean, underneath it is the fact that people are at risk anytime that they travel. All of these people are traveling. There's just unnecessary things. And even beyond COVID, people are tired. Yeah, People are really tired. So beyond like the risk of transmission, I think doing this for a check. I honestly can't imagine that the check is that big. And that's why I'm really curious if they, if we, anyone could ever uncover those numbers. Um, I would love that because seriously, how much could it possibly be Yeah, for all of this trouble for your worst nightmare to like put yourself in the exact position for that to happen. But yeah, it's, I think it's unfair of the NBA to say like, Oh, Hey, we're doing a service to the community. We're helping. We care because underneath that caring and service, and helping you're doing something that's kind of reckless and mm-hmm. that people are telling you they don't want to do and you're doing it for an insignificant check. So yes, I, I'm completely with, I'm completely with you. And I wish that it was just done without all of the festivities forced on us. I'm glad you brought up silver linings though. You're a huge silver linings person. I am almost to a fault. I don't think you should say to a fault. It's one of your greatest qualities and you have so many of them. I think that because the things that we saw that we wanted to talk about today all seem pretty, we should do a silver linings <laughs> episode. We should say like, is there silver linings to be found here? So with all-star, your silver lining is HBCUs getting a spotlight that they deserve, even though we could have completely cut out the game from it and it would have been better. And Steph Curry's shooting form on repeat. Yes. Okay. Agreed. Uh, the next one that I feel like we have to talk about that cracked me up when I saw it is that Blake Griffin signed with the Brooklyn Nets for the veteran minimum uh, waivers on Sunday after agreeing to a buyout for the remaining 56.5 million left on his contract with the Detroit Pistons. Signing a massive contract immediately after you have to realize inside even if you're like the most confident person in the world. Okay. I don't know about this. Like I'm not playing at the level I used to be like all teams involved were like, we shouldn't assigned him. Yes. The Pistons are like, should we have traded for him? And then you're like, this is just such a massive buyout, but you know, whatever you get to start over. Uh, my first thought was like, wow, Jordan really said like she was thinking 
and hoping he'd go to the Lakers. And I was like, wait, that Jordan says that with literally every single <laughs> yeah. person. Yeah, that's not really so, factual. <laughs> what was your reaction to this? My first reaction was this would be a crazy trade if it was like five years ago. <laughs> I think we kind of, you know, with all the reports and everything, it's kind of been romanticized of old, you know, Kia slam dunk contest, Blake Griffin, Lob City. And I, I thought, you know, I feel like the Brooklyn Nets think that they're getting like pursuit of happiness, Will Smith type Blake Griffin, but they're really getting like wild, wild West Blake Griffin in the sense that he's not the same player. Like he's just not the same. I want that for him, that this is kind of the, the new stage to show like I still got it. I don't know if that's going to happen. So, no, I know what you mean. It honestly makes me really sad. It just makes me feel sad. He's not at his best, but the weirdest part is if he was at his best, that guy who you were just saying, like the high flying dunker, the mm -hmm. lob city guy, who, like, when we're going to remember him when we're, when he's doing his Hall of Fame speech, is it like a Ooh. given he's going to be in the Hall of Fame? Maybe I shouldn't say that. That's wow. That's like really depressing. <laughs> I just realized that's not a given. Yikes. Okay. That's tough. Ooh. the guy <laughs> ugh, let's just say the guy who was the high-flying dunker the lob city guy who i want to remember him as who we will like on his ab absolute best of his career that's not even the guy they're asking him to be mm -hmm. in fact like i mean of course it would help their team but that's really not what their team needs well look what do the brooklyn nets need help with the most defense defense right? yeah it's not gonna work He's not paying protection. He's not filling the gap. Jared Allen left behind. Even, yeah. I mean, speaking on size, even when he was young and healthy as he could be, he couldn't defend centers from other teams because he was always outsized. And especially now, I don't think he's quick enough to go out on the perimeter and guard players out there either. So if mm -hmm. you're playing as a modern five and you're, you know, this is the team that you're trying to put out there. I don't necessarily see how he fits. He is a super willing passer. Yeah. He's uh, willing to shoot. Actually, I should say he's a, he's a great passer. He is. He will really help with that. Um, and he's willing to shoot threes. But yeah, I just, it, it feels like such an unusual fit, but I also get it. Like it's Blake Griffin. You can mm -hmm. sign him to the veteran minimum. Why wouldn't you? Why? I, as you were, you know, talking about that in rotations, I pictured they're starting five all on the court at the same time. Um, that is a weird group of people. I don't, I don't know how that's going to work. And I was happy. I think my first uh, or my second reaction was he's going to go be with his BFF and DeAndre Jordan. Like that was a big part of the trade, but then it's like, Ooh, I might steal your minutes. Like if Blake Griffin is coming off the bench and he's having even a remotely good night. He they're going to keep him in. And there's DeAndre Jordan's starter minutes that go away. So that's going to be a tough friendship conversation. But I I think that well, I still think they messed up on trading Jared Allen. I think he was the really the piece that they needed. The Cavs got a steal um for getting Jared Allen, but I don't know. I don't know if it works. I want Blake to be happy. <laughs> That's always the goal. 
but it's going to be weird. Yeah. I mean, he's a 31 year old man who always wanted to give it a go with stand up comedy. And he moved to Brooklyn, so he'll be happy. So, yeah, I mean, what silver lining? Why not? Why not? Yes. But we are not going to casually pass up that he is still trying to be a comedian and has a new show coming out on True TV called Double Crossed. Get it, Haley? Because he's a basketball player. (laughs) I hate it. He's pranking pranksters. Get it? Double cross. The next one, I don't know how we're going to find a silver lining in this, is something that's kind of old news, but I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. Lloyd Pierce was fired from the Hawks. There were reports of him and Trey Young having differences. That's probably the most notable thing with your young franchise player. And then there are also reports that Lloyd Pierce was on an internal league call and openly disagreed with the way that Trey was hunting for fouls. That's bad. Those are both bad. But I, yeah, I still can't help but feel sympathetic for him. Like the Hawks had so many injuries to start the season. Bogdanovich, most notably, who just came back March 2nd and in limited minutes. So he's been giving 2.5 seasons. I Mm. feel bad for him. Um, And there's also a much bigger storyline going on here that I don't feel like any of us should ignore. Yeah. And it's the fact that I feel like black coaches don't get a fair shake. I feel like that's such a small sample size to really judge um, to say if if he was a great coach or not for this franchise, for this young franchise that is trying to really start fresh and build from their draft picks. Every other coach has said how great he is. Um, After he got let go, I actually saw in the Boston Globe that Brad Stevens was saying, you know, every time I and they had just beat the Celtics by 30 and Brad Stevens was saying, you know, every time I watch uh, Atlanta play, I learn something new from his coaching style. I think he's going to be heavily recruited and sought after. And I just don't know if that's true. Like the NBA's receipts don't really show that black coaches get another opportunity or second chances. Um as easily as their counterparts. And it's not even that, you know, and I want to be clear that he should have this job because he is black, but giving opportunities and getting a meeting, being able to even be in the room is something that is so hard for, for black coaches. And we saw it when Steve Nash got hired, you know, that conversation came back up of, um, the Nets assistant coach being the highest paid in the league, but we're not going to give you the head coaching job. Like we're going to take a chance on somebody that has zero coaching experience over all of the effort that you put in. And it's just not fair. Yeah. They're like, we value you so much. We're going to pay you this much, but he announced premier league games. So it has to be Steve Nash. Um, I knew we were going to talk about this. So I looked up how many coaches from a certain stretch in the NBA black head coaches have gotten a second chance. So there's that stretch from 2012 to 2015 when 13 black head coaches got fired in the NBA. That stretch 2012 to 2013 led to the fewest black coaches in 16 seasons. And they really haven't recovered from that. And that's been a huge thing that Adam Silver's even talked about before. And that's why that makes these so devastating. Lloyd Pierce, (laughs) It makes it so devastating because it's like we're we're analyzing the specific situation and the particulars of it 
don't sound good for him. Like he didn't get along with Trey Young. That's your right. most important franchise player. But it is so devastating any time because like you said, is he going to get another second chance? Brad Stevens is saying, yes, he deserves it. If it's a matter of he didn't get along with this star player, think about all the times that black assistant coaches have been like championed for getting along with the players so well, but it doesn't give that up them that opportunity. It only takes Mm. that opportunity away. Actually, a really good example is Chris Finch and David Vanderpool. Chris Finch got hired when they fired, when the Wolves fired Ryan Saunders Mm -hmm. and a bunch of NBA players were like, well, okay, but what about David Vanderpool? He was a Blazers assistant coach. Now he's a Wolves associate head coach. Damian Lillard has been saying this for years. I tried to find a tweet that he sent when Chris Finch got hired last month. And I ended up finding one from like 2020, 2019. All the players love him. There were so many player tweets and they were like, this is so weird. Why wouldn't you give him an opportunity? So again, if player relationship is enough to legitimately fire somebody, and I do think it is. And it's also, this is what makes it so hard. The small number of black coaches in the NBA makes us scrutinize every single situation as if we could possibly know what's going on but it's just because we're so desperate to say they don't get these chances like of course we're going to look into everything super specifically and you know what honestly it's very unconventional for somebody to not just be the interim head coach the rest of the season that the wolves hired an assistant coach from another bench away in the middle of a regular season was really weird. weird Yeah, And I can get, I totally understand. Like we want to get on with it. We want to go ahead with our future. Like if you know, that's your guy, but also Finch is having a bad fucking time right now. <laughs> like watch a wolves game. He is not having fun. <laughs> you should have given David a chance. I just, I like that really works me up. What was I saying before? Oh yeah. How many have gotten a second chance? I looked this up from 2012, 2015. <laughs> it is, it's such an insane stretch. There are 13 blackhead coaches who got fired. Nate McMillan, Paul Silas. Avery Johnson, Jock Vaughn, Alvin Gentry, Keith Smart, Lionel Hollins, Larry Drew, Mike Brown, Mark Jackson, Mike Woodson, Ty Corbin, Brian Shaw. Now, without the interim status, because some of them did temporarily hold interim head coaching status, how many of those that I just fired off got a second chance? As a head, as a head coach, I would say, yeah. is it three of them? Uh, yes. Nate. McMillan, that's all I'm going to say. I, Alvin I, Gentry. Lionel. Yeah, Alvin Gentry, for sure. He was just a Pelicans yeah. coach. Well, so well, I, well. I can't see a silver lining in this one. No. Maybe the fact that people are aware of it, but aware doesn't do no. anything. It, yeah, it we're doesn't. You that. have to care about it. Yeah, it's a, there's, let's go ahead and say no silver lining here. Yeah, and it reminds me of, you know, the WNBA too. It is a very big problem in that league. Let's break well. down the WNBA. Well, there are only two black head coaches, uh, black men head coaches, and Derek Fisher is one of them. If you know me, you know, I do not think Derek Fisher is a good coach. And it was more as Jordan. I know. And that is a separate conversation that we will get into. But a lot of it is the lack of black women in the WNBA, where majority of the players are black women. Um, the Dallas Wings just hired the lone black female coach in Vicki Johnson this offseason. But it took her being a player for 13 years, being on a being assistant coach for nine seasons. And now she's finally getting her opportunity. And I feel like it takes 
so much. And it just reminds me of, uh, you know, what you're kind of told growing up is you have to be 10 times better than the person next to you, the, the, your white counterpart, because for you to even get a look. And when it comes down to, to coaching, I think it should be who can coach the best. And we have to be able to get, you know, these black head coaches, their foot in the door to show that they can coach and they can be a great addition to this league and not get overlooked for a buddy buddy that's on another bench in another conference on another team that you worked with one time. Like that's just not, it's not fair. And our last disappointment slash silver linings topic is actually from a listener email Yay! from Jared and he wants to talk about the Boston Celtics and he actually asked us a question that we go try to solve. This episode of Spinsters is brought to you by Sonos. The Sonos Move is their premium portable smart speaker for listening all around your home and outdoors. I just got a Sonos Move. I love it so much. I don't know how I lived without it. Neither does my roommate. We take it all the time. From my room up to the roof when we want to relax, we take it outside when we're doing gardening. You can take it all around the house. The battery life is wonderful and the sound is super clear. I also don't love clunky technology, but this looks great. I put it right next to my candles and plants and it looks sleek and wonderful. Discover speakers for all around your home and beyond at Sonos.com, including Move and the all-new Rome. This latest portable addition to the Sonos system is smart, lightweight, waterproof, and ready for any adventure. So start yours now at Sonos.com. Ritual Vitamins Super Clean Vegan-Friendly Multivitamin is made with high-quality nutrients that your body can actually use. What you won't find? Sugars, GMOs, major allergens, and synthetic fillers. I started taking my Ritual Vitamins this week, and I feel great. The minty taste is super refreshing, and Ritual Vitamins have no colorants or shady additives. I can actually see what's going in my body. It's groundbreaking. Another thing I love is that you'll always know what nutrients you're taking and where they come from thanks to Ritual's one-of-a-kind visible supply chain. 10 out of 10 would recommend. You deserve to know what you're putting in your body especially when it comes to vitamins that you should take every single day. Make sure to get key nutrients your body needs without the BS. Ritual is offering our listeners 10% off during your first three months. Visit ritual.com spin to start your ritual today. Okay, so we, we got this listener question from Jared, and I'm going to go ahead and read it. So it says, hi, spinsters. I'm a lifelong Celtics fan who's on edge, naturally. I'm from Boston. I'm so disappointed in my Celtics this season. Seeing Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown play so well makes me excited for the future, but I'm beginning to worry that they can't get there with the current direction. I told this to my friends and they booed me out of our group chat. So I'm asking you, Spencers, to back me up here. This Brad Stevens is not the Brad Stevens he used to be. Am I crazy for thinking his time has come? Thanks, Jared. 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 Thanks for asking us. I know. We've been obsessed with this question for about a week. So, yes, Boston entered the All-Star break with an upswing, a four-game win streak, and all of a sudden they're fourth in the East, 1917, which just goes to show you how much the East can fluctuate so fast because they're out of the playoff standings a week and a half ago. And the Knicks, (laughs) Heat, Hornets, and Raptors are breathing down their necks. 
Their immediate schedule is not terrifying, but in March, they have to face the Nets, Jazz, Bucks twice, and the Mavs. Two and a half weeks ago, Jason Tatum was saying he was still feeling the after effects of COVID. Marcus Smart's been out since February began. It's been a really rough time for Brad Stevens, even though they're fourth right now. And this is not just a Jared question. The Celtics majority owner even felt compelled to say, quote, either one of these guys, he's talking about Danny Ainge or Brad Stevens, would be nearly the top candidate in the league for their job. They're our guys and we're sticking with them still. Things have gotten extreme if Boston sports fans are asking if it's Brad Stevens' time. It's a long season. We have a question to answer. Has Brad Stevens lost what makes him so good? Yeah, that, you're so right with it being a long season. So to answer Jared's question, these are the things that we're going to dive into. Things that Brad Stevens is known for, right? His after timeout plays, his really, really good defense, the underdog status, getting the most out of his players and how he always, always inspires his players. So defense and after timeout plays, we can actually just look into stats for these. And the other two, we are going to phone friends. We should start with defense. His defense has never been this bad his entire time with the Celtics since he first came in the 2013, 14 season. But there are so many disclaimers here. It's really unfair to compare defenses right now to defenses even five years ago. The league just values it so much less. Plus, Marcus Smart's been out for 19 games over half the season. And yeah, like I said before, the league's defense as a whole is just worse. The Lakers, who have the best statistical defense right now this season, are a smidge better in the numbers than Brad's defense was his first season in 2013. And that one at the time was 17th best in the league. But Boston's defense has been way worse this season. And all of the stats agree. The second stat one that is not easy to check by any means. In fact, we had to call on some help from our friends is after timeout plays. This is something that Brad Stevens is beloved for and cherished for. And I think that this uh, result is going to disappoint a couple of people. So we asked Tim Chartier, who's a professor at Davidson, to help us with this. He runs a group called Cat Stats that offers analytics to certain teams. And I especially want to thank Sam Thomas, who Tim said took a break from his doctoral studies at Brown and computer science to help with this. Look, it's worth what? it. <laughs> Fail a class that. at your doctorate. Yeah, I mean, it's for spinsters. Come on. <laughs> so they pulled every timeout called in the NBA over the last three seasons for us. And they took the total points that every team scored on those timeouts that they called, assuming that the team calling the timeout has the ball in the next possession. And they saw how many points were produced from the timeout, including fouls. In 2018-19, the Celtics finished 15th. They averaged the 15th most points out of timeouts that they called. In 2019-20, they were 19th. And in 2000, Mm -mm. I know. And in this season so far, they're 20th. That is dismal and not what we think at all. (laughs) No, averaging 0.742 points per timeout that they called. Not very Brad Stevens like. And so we've covered defense. We've covered after timeout plays for underdog status and getting the most out of players. We are phoning friends. Hey. Hey, Haley, how's it going? How are you? I'm all right. Thanks. You know, like, I, I think, like, 
uh, I'm doing pandemic okay, as as the the phrase people are saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Josh Gondelman. I'm a uh, television comedy writer. I, I writer and producer for Jesus and Marrow. I have a game show podcast called Make My Day. And I am a big Boston Celtics fan. And I consider myself a wandering townie. So I live in New York City in Brooklyn, but I'm from the Boston suburbs, lived in the city after college. And and so I'm, yeah, I feel like very Bostonian at heart still. So what we're trying to do is answer the question, has Brad Stevens lost what makes him Brad Stevens? I think something that defines him is his underdog status. And this is what I want to talk to you about. Do you think this has hurt him? I think it's for sure hurt the perception of like what makes Brad Stevens a special coach, right? And a capable coach. I think like what people like about him, it feels like there's all the stat stuff that like, oh, team defense and, and and great, like beautifully drawn up ATO plays. But then there's also just this perception of like, Brad's one of those guys where he gets the most out of his collection of talent and they play as well as, as their skills allow them, thanks to the coaching of Brad Stevens, motivator and, and tactician. And I think like when you get the same results, right? Like in 2018, when they went to the Eastern Conference Finals and took the Cavs to seven games. And then last year, when they went to the Eastern Conference Finals, it played a six-game series against the Miami Heat. The result is like, close to the same but the expectations are so much higher because he's not an underdog he's been there before and the like young superstars are like blossoming into players with expectations so it's like to say that brad stevens lost it when the results are nearly identical but like the inputs are different right like what you expect from the players i think that is a little unfair it's a little fair because when you have players who are better players (laughs) you expect them to do more but it's also like okay losing late in an Eastern Conference final doesn't feel like he's fallen off a cliff. We're not talking like Weezer's sixth album falling off. And Jordan, real quick, if you think about what he's saying about overcoming Gordon Hayward being injured and Terry Rozier really taking off, those storylines could still exist for him right now. Marcus Smart has been injured. COVID is hitting everybody. It's hit their team especially hard. So it's not like there aren't still things that he has to overcome. Yeah, that's a really good point. There's a lot of things that we're all overcoming right now. And um, there's a lot of variables and injuries is is a big one. Also, Jalen Brown materializing into this good of a player. I think when people are always like, oh, you know, he's a really great afterthought to Jason Tatum. No, mm-hmm. he's legitimately very good. But I feel like Celtics fans just have underdog fatigue because they're like, this was cute at first, but we're a storied franchise. And conference finals aren't enough for us. When Brad Stevens took over coaching for the Celtics, right? He was coming from Butler and they'd have these two like kind of Cinderella story NCAA March Madness tournament runs, right? And I think that was kind of like the beginning of his national mystique and mythology, which I will also say they didn't win the championship. And that's not like to denigrate the accomplishments of Brad Stevens. It's to say that like there are positive outcomes that are not just did they get a ring, right? There are parallels to yeah, what's going on recently. That, that's what I'm saying. Again, as a deep homer, that is something that I feel that a defense that I will mount is like the mythology of Brad Stevens was not like he is he just has that title DNA. It was that like he gets the most out of players. And that's I think what people wanted, right? Like people were excited for that. Do you think he has lost his shine? Oh, that's an interesting question. Because I do think 
at some level, he's lost his shine in terms of perception. Like, I think people are habituated to the Brad Stevens experience. The people of Boston, I think, have grown used to what he has to offer as a coach. And I don't think he's like a worse coach than he was. Like, I don't think he's lost his fastball to like mix sports metaphors. I don't think it's like the league has solved him. I think he is probably as good as he's been, but like people want more, which I understand. Like you want your team to win the championship. I would of course prefer if the Celtics won the championship versus not winning the championship. There are things that I think Brad Stevens could do better. I don't think he's a perfect coach, but I also don't think like because the Celtics are two games above 500 at the all-star break, having battled like uh, a lot of injury and illness in this truly bonkers COVID season where they were like, the bubble was a success and let's not learn from that. It was the (laughs) league's position. And so there's just like so much chaos this season. And and I think it's like, and and especially they're going to the all-star break on a four game winning streak still without Marcus Smart, it feels like a little, like, rumors of Brad Stevens' death have been greatly exaggerated. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. Honestly, Josh sounds really fair, and it made me want to call my favorite Celtics fan, or really the only Celtics fan that I trust, my Aunt Charlene, because I feel like we talk about all the time how Brad is trying to get the most out of his players at, at every point in the season. Well, that's his like biggest reputation. And that's mm-hmm. when everyone was like, oh, he's the next Popovich because when players are with him and in his system, they are playing so much above their ceilings, their individual ceilings. And that is a huge part of Brad Stevens folklore. And determining if somebody has lost that is really difficult. So we do need an expert like Aunt Shirlene. Yeah, that's why I gave her a call. My name is Shirlene Parker. I'm Jordan Ligon's aunt, and uh, I've been a Boston Celtics fan ever since, I think, the 80s. I believe it's the 80s. How are you this morning, Aunt Shirlene? Yeah, I'm fine. And you? That's what I was asking. How are you doing? I'm good. I don't always want to talk about the Celtics. Um, I know you don't, but you know that's the best team, so just go ahead, you know. It's painful that most of our conversations are surrounding the Celtics. And as a Lakers fan, that is painful. But actually, this conversation brings me a little bit of joy because it's about your Celtics having problems. So that's what we have to talk about. (laughs) They're they're having some problems. They're going to be okay. (sighs) But people are saying, you know, Brad Stevens... Is his time up? I don't think it's time up. I think he just need to get himself uh, more, reevaluate himself. Because he did sound kind of bad the other day when I seen him talking about the Celtics. He sound, um, you know, no, no enthusiasm in his, mm. in his, you know, he wasn't very enthusiastic. I said, what's wrong with you, Brad? You need to talk better than that. You know, you got to get the guys up. So I don't know. Well, well that's exactly it. It's like he's like he's losing his shine, like his glimmer of of young well, you know, Brad. He never a, he's never was a big type of coach who, uh, you know, talk like, you know, something like the San Antonio's coach. He's never hmm. like that. And he wasn't even he's not even not he's not even doc either. But 
I won't be shocked that they replace him now. I won't. Because, they, you know, that's the only thing they do because they, if the teams get kind of nonchalant, the first thing they do is fire the coaches, which I don't always think that's fair. So you're breaking news that you think he could be let go. <laughs> Are you starting rumors? <laughs> <laughs> that's real cute. Now I'm not going to start that group. But I won't be surprised. <laughs> so as a, a longtime Celtics fan, do you think that this is an overreaction? Things have definitely been worse before, right? That's right. Yeah. I mean, you know, look at before Doc took over, look how many coaches they had. Well, they had about six coaches or something. I don't know. Before they got Doc, they were just in a slump. You know, Chris Ford, uh, Rick Pitino, Jim O'Brien, I think it was. What do you think if you were you know, the GM of the Boston Celtics, which I would pay to see that, actually. <laughs> that would be fantastic. What would you oh, call... Oh, that would be something, Joy. Right? <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing? So, okay, you call Brad Stevens, you call Brad Stevens into your office, and what would you tell him to kind of shake things up and say, you know what, you're looking a little sad. You're looking a little mopey right now. He, he, he need to get his stuff together, you know, be more enthusiastic, be like we going to win games instead of like we are. Uh, that's what he talked. No, you got to get up and get the guys into it. He's not getting the guys into it. He just, I don't know. He's just being kind of slow. But he's that way, though. That's the way he is. Do you have a team in mind that this kind of reminds you of? When Dave Collins played, but I can't remember the people he was playing with, but I did like Dave Collins. I always liked the way Dave Collins played. I did. I'm looking up the coaches, and it says Dave Collins was a player coach. A player coach. Yeah, he was a player coach. Wait, what does that mean? Well, you know, player coaches, he, he was playing – but he was also coaching, you know. Bill Russell did the same thing. He was a player coach. But then Bill Russell became a coach, too. But a player coach is when you're playing and coaching. Who would you want to be the player coach on the team now? Oh, gosh, that's a good question, Jordan. I think Smart. Ooh. If, if, if smart, smart would be real good. You know, when Smart's there, he's calling plays. He's like he's a player coach on the team right now. <laughs> well, I love you. Thanks for talking to us. I love to you, us. too. It's enjoy talking to you. And, you know, anytime you want to talk about yourself, just give me a ring. Isn't she the cutest? I just love her so much. She's wonderful. We need to give her a permanent guest rotation spot. She's, she is the best. But after we gathered all these research... What is your verdict for Jared? And as a reminder, his original question was, this Brad Stevens is not the Brad Stevens he used to be. Am I crazy for thinking his time has come? I think that Jared respectfully should take a step back for a couple of reasons. Yes, things are worse, but they are worse in the context of things being worse for everybody. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can ignore... When you look at the defensive numbers, the Marcus Smart injury, Jason Tatum not being 100%, and also 
like Josh was saying, some exhaustion with the idea that this is that he's this great, wonderful underdog and you guys just want to win. You've been to the conference finals, <laughs> two of the last three playoffs. That is remarkable. That's extraordinary. And the other thing is you always have to ask yourself, okay, so you let Brad Stevens go. Who are you hiring? Who are you hiring above Brad Stevens? He yeah. still has, he's, he still should be allowed the chance to fail because you haven't given it to him yet. You just have given him the allowance to fall short. Other teams would kill to fall that short of a finals. So yes, I think that Jared respectfully, uh, you should listen to your friends and try to reenter that group chat <laughs> and make up, make amends with whatever went wrong there when you exited. What about I, you, Jordan? I agree. I think it's, it's an overreaction. And as Aunt Charlene was saying, you know, it's, it's been worse before. So kind of ride this wave and you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. You're going to be okay. Well, that's our show. We've been loving listening to your voicemails. Please continue to send us your fan confessions, your irrational opinions, your horoscope birth charts. We want to hear it all. Or you could send us an email like Jared did at spensters at bluewirepods.com. But if you want to call us, leave us a voicemail and get a chance to be on the show. That number is 502 874-4453. Hey, Jordan, and I think Haley, too, but this is really for Jordan and Peter. This is Peter's Aunt Deb from Cleveland, Ohio. I am a rabid Cavs fan. I love the Cavs. Even before they lost to the Pacers, but I was very excited with that four-game win. And probably I would say that kind of what I would have to talk about is Colin Sexton, Darius Garland. But I love, too, Larry Nance Jr. I know he's been out. I hate the injuries. I love Colin Sexton. He keeps on coming back and keeps on trying. I also am a big fan of Darius Garland, and I think the combination between the two of them and lately Dean Wade, too, is awesome. Um, I also am such a huge fan of Bickerstaff. And I have to put in a line for Lindsay Gottlieb. Yay for having a female coach. I love her. Anyhow, I'm really pleased with how young the team is and with the way they're going. Love you a lot. Bye.